When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. In the program this week, we'll talk to a fast bowler who made cricket history this week and to New Zealand Cricket's chief executive about the appointment of the new captain of the Black Caps. The New Zealand Rally Championship starts this weekend in Otago and we'll talk to a former world champion who's back for his second honeymoon. We'll also talk to one of the contenders for the backup to First Five Dan Carter at the Rugby World Cup and hear from a teammate of Carter's who's back in the boxing ring in June in an earthquake fundraising clash for Canterbury. The New Zealand Breakers Chief Executive explains their decision not to attend the Australian National Basketball League Awards Ceremony in Melbourne, while the coach talks about the club's future. And an Olympian who's returning to international triathlon competition explains how she's countered the chronic injury that affected her summer preparation for the ITU World Series. Two cricket first though, and the day before Canterbury clinched the Plunkett Shield with an eight-wicket win over Northern Districts in Rangiora, the Otago left-arm quick Neil Wagner was wrecking Wellington's second innings in Queenstown. Almost a year to the day before he's eligible for the Black Caps, the South African-born Wagners reminded the national selectors what they're missing out on, setting what the cricket website Crickinfo says is a first-class world record for wickets in one over. The 25-year-old left-armer took wickets from all but the fifth ball of the over as Wellington plummeted from 136 for four to 136 for nine in the space of six balls. Otago went on to win by an innings and 138 runs to finish second ahead of Northern and Central and Wagner told our cricket reporter, Stephen Hewson, how it unfolded. It's just freak stuff. I mean, I don't even see it coming or anything happening. You know, the ball just started reversing and just try to get it up there and make the ball swing as much as it can and and see what happened, and it just worked out quite well. Four of them were bold, so yeah. Yorkers? They were all Yorkers. They were reversing quite a bit, and I just tried to get it up full and just make sure that it was going at the stumps. As you were in the process of it, I mean, uh, that what makes a, a double hat-trick. Have you had any figures like that close no, to that before? before. N- never before. I've, I've had a hat-trick before in, in first-class cricket, but I've never had something like this. So it was quite freakish stuff, and it hasn't even sunk into me yet. What reaction did you get from the Wellington players? The guys were actually quite good. All of them came down and shook my hand and said, well done and stuff like that. So, especially with me being quite aggressive towards them, it was real nice the way they treated the situation. And, yeah, it was, it was just a freak day and, and it's just one of those things that doesn't really happen often in your career and you've just got to make the most of it and it's just a real big provision on it. A few celebrations planned? Oh, yeah, massive. No, definitely. Something like this doesn't really happen too often in your career, so you've got to make the most of it. And, and I think the thing now is to, to look down, you know, keep your head down and, and go out there and do it again. Um, I think that's the toughest thing. But if you want to play on the next level and, and you want to be successful in your cricket career, you, you've got to look at trying to top that up again. And it's, it's a tough ask, but definitely something I've got, I've got to look at doing again. You've said you're keen to play for New Zealand. How far off are you from qualifying residency-wise? Second of April, two thousand twelve, and obviously performances like this can only help. Yeah, well, hopefully, 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 I can do my bit and and keep the selectors happy. You know, if, if they can see, you know, that 
that maybe I have what it takes to play on the next level and they give me that opportunity it will be a massive privilege and a massive honour. So, yeah, hopefully that happens. That's Neil Wagner talking to Stephen Hewson, who's also been talking to New Zealand Cricket's Chief Executive Justin Vaughan about the appointment of the Black Caps' new skipper now that Dan Vittori's given up the job. Stephen asked Vaughan if New Zealand Cricket's board would be talking to the likely candidates, Brendan McCullum and Ross Taylor. I imagine that the board would want to speak to the... Uh, the eventual captain of the Black Caps and talk to them about their expectations of what the New Zealand captain is really signing up for. But I wouldn't see it as a, you know, an interview process per se. It's really up to the selection panel with those other inputs that I've mentioned coming up with a recommendation to the board. The recommendation of the selection panel, does it have to be one person for both the, the test side and the one day side? No, it doesn't have to be. You know, I think a number of countries around the world have looked and have implemented um, dual captaincies. I mean, I think you've, you've seen that with England, you've seen that with Australia, and probably other countries as well. I can't name off the top of my head, but it's, it's certainly not new to, to world cricket, so that may be something that the selection panel consider. Is it something you've talked about with them? No, I, I don't really see myself getting into, you know, the cricket issues. I don't think that's the CEO's role. Election panel are well qualified to make that decision. I'm sure they will want to talk to John Wright as well as you know, getting the input from the new director of cricket. Would you see it as a, a likelihood or a possibility, or would you expect to see one person covering both jobs? Um, I don't really want to foreshadow what, what the recommendation's going to be. I mean, I'm, I'm open to both and, and can see pros and cons for both. You don't have a preference one way or, or the other? No, I don't. I think one thing we do have is that we are very fortunate to have some outstanding candidates. And so, you know, I guess the the decision from the selection panel is a, is a difficult one, but, but I'm sure they're up to it. Time frame? I mean, obviously the, the next two is not for six months, so you've got time yeah. on your side, but presumably it's not something you'd want to let drag out. No, want to do it as soon as possible and as soon as practical. You know, or in an ideal world, you know, your captain would be in New Zealand when they're named, and obviously our leading candidates are currently playing or about to play in the IPL in India. So, if that, you know, in an ideal world, it may be a couple of months, but that would be the longest I would like to see it drag on. So you'd hope to have something announced by the end of May? Yeah, that's the sort of time frame we're looking at. What about Dan Vittori's future? Have you sat down or organised to sit down with him and talk to him? We will be sitting down and talking to him. As you know, Daniel's also in India, preparing for the IPL. I think he had a bit of a break with his family in Singapore, uh, and he's resting up his knee injury. But I guess as soon as he's fit, he'll be playing in the IPL. But we've certainly made a commitment to sit down and and talk about his future. You know, I think he's keen to continue to have a a long career playing for New Zealand. I think we need to understand. Uh, he's obviously made his intentions clear around Test cricket. I think we need to tease out what his thoughts are around limited overs cricket a little bit more. Presumably that talk will happen, what, when he comes back from the IPL? Yeah, absolutely. There is a long break before the Black Caps are, are back in competitive crickets. That's Stephen Hewson talking to New Zealand Cricket's Chief Executive Justin Vaughan and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. The first round of the New Zealand Rally Championship in Otago at the weekend features night stages for the first time and a top field which includes the rising New Zealand star Hayden Padden. A former world champion's competing too in a classic car similar to the model in which he scored the first four of his ten World Rally Championship victories. 
It's not the first time the 1981 world champion Ari Vartanen has been in New Zealand, and he told our reporter Lorna Perry the reason he's come back this time is for his second honeymoon. 77 when I came here for the first time, I was not quite yet married, but a couple of years later I was, and we came here for the honeymoon with Rita, and I was driving here in a Ford Escort at the same time. I mean, so a rally driver, even when he's on a honeymoon, he can't help but he will do a rally. And now, uh, some 30-odd years later, here I am again, and still with the same wife and the same car. So, luckily, no progress on that end, luckily. Why particularly New Zealand and the South Island? Have you been to this part of the South Island before? I've not been to South Island at all. All my previous uh, rallies rallies have been all on uh, North Island. I came here between 77 and 94 several times, and uh, I must say that New Zealand, uh, apart from being the, the destination of the honeymoon, it left me with, uh, and us, my wife also, with the very lasting impression. And now when we had, uh, had this opportunity to come here, I mean, normally, because I'm here doing so-called classic classic car, I mean, as I said, the same car, 77 Ford Escort, and, um, and there are plenty of those so-called hist- historic rallies in these days, and I normally say no, but uh, when now this opportunity came to New Zealand, it was a combination of, uh, of uh, New Zealand uh, for the first time in the South Island um, uh, to um, renew my memories of the honeymoon, well, we won't go into the details, I mean, driving-wise and marriage-wise, I mean, yes, I'm now 30 more years older. <laughs> but anyway, so it's a combination. So this is like a, a trip of a, maybe not quite of a lifetime, but it um, uh, goes well, well beyond uh, the, the rally criteria. And I suppose in terms of uh, nostalgia for you, being in the same car, do you expect that, you know, that'll be bring back memories of 1977? Of course it does bring lots of memories. And I don't know, is it a sign of, uh, of the advancing age, but you go back in your memories and, and, and you sort of um, uh, want to re- relive them in a way. Does it make you feel more alive, I suppose? Yeah, exactly. And, and so it brings me back um, this kind of memories and... Um, you know, regarding my life, my marriage, but also regarding the 277 rally, which was an exceptional one, because rallies like the one we are going to do now has a little over 200 kilometers of stages, special stages that, you know, competitive sections, whereas uh, 77, we had over 2,000 kilometers of stages. And, and I don't know how many times I went off the road with the local co-driver, Jim Scott, and um, but I always managed to come back on a road. But I mean, uh, I mean, my car was really battered. There was simply no uh, single straight panel left in a car. But we made it till the end. And and to sum sum up, uh, how my poor car driver felt, who was quite a bit older than myself. Uh, so in the beginning of the rally, he looked like um, my father, and at the end of the rally, he looked like my grandfather. <laughs> Are you in it to win it, I suppose, on the weekend? Or is it just the motivation being back behind the car, almost doing it blindly, you know, just the passion behind it? Well, there is that, of course, uh, once the flag drops, uh, and, and as the old saying goes, I'm sorry to say it, bullshit stops, uh, you know, you are you are driven by it and, 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 and that pleasure comes back. But then you have to the same time remind yourself it would be really foolish at this point of time to have a big accident 
or, or anything to anything to that end. So you are a little bit, uh, you know, conservative. But it's it's still enjoyable, of course. You are you. Uh, I can't paint paintings, nor can I uh, play piano, unfortunately. But um, let's say the casting really is uh, is is uh, the that's a how should I say the tool with which I express my joy of life, and people have a various ways. Uh, to, to do it and, uh, and car driving, that is for me. I mean, I'm passionate about it, and, and one in life has to be passionate about something. You were just recently speaking at a school uh, with students about driver safety. What's sort of your track record, I suppose, with crashes or, uh, you know, driver safety and that sort of thing? How, how many crashes, I suppose, have you had? Oh, dear, uh, countless, countless. But there have been crashes in rallying and once, 1985, which was actually in Argentina, that was the, the, the rally after the one here in, in New Zealand. I mean, I, I, in Argentina, I very, very nearly died. Uh, if it wasn't for the helicopter, which was in the service, I actually would have died on, on accident spot. So you, you, that was a very close call. And of course, that also has made me to realize the value of life. And in the way I, uh, I live, but so, so do you, without maybe realizing it. We, every day is... Uh, it's like a bonus to start a new life, and that's how it is. Nothing is obvious, nothing is guaranteed, nothing is uh, evident uh, in, in life, but you need kind of the setbacks or awakenings to realize the importance of it. And also we need kind of awakening regarding the road traffic, that, you know, competition is one thing that's on a, on a, on a closed road section and, uh, and you are well equipped, and that's your, your choice. You are there. If you make a mistake, that's your mistake. But... When you're out on an open road, not only as a driver, whether you are pedestrian or bicycle rider or moped rider, you're part of the very complex, complex entity. There are thousands of factors and, and unpredictable factors, and there you have to realize how uh, safety is. Uh, how should I say? Like uh, you think when traffic is flowing normally, that um, it's automatically safe. Uh, it's inherently safe. No, it's inherently unsafe. Some sound advice there from Finland's Ari Vartanen, speaking with our Dunedin reporter Laura Perry. And this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. To rugby, and as the autumn chill quickens the World Cup countdown, Super Rugby's already into Week 8. The two South Island sides host South African teams before the Hurricanes try to get their season back on track in Canberra, where the ACT Brumbies face the prospect of a sixth straight defeat. The Hurricanes' first five, Aaron Cruden, made his all-black debut last year, but he's been struggling so far this season. He's back for the Brumbies match, though, after Daniel Kirkpatrick's off-target kicking in the loss to the Bulls in Napier. Barry Guy caught up with him after training and began by asking for his reaction to his return to the starting 15 after being on the bench for two matches. You're always striving to be in that, that starting 15 and yeah, I was, I was there at the, at the start of the competition and didn't go too well and, and yeah, was then put back to the bench and my role changed but this week I get, a, get an opportunity, uh, first bite at the apple against the Brumbies and uh, yeah, chomping at the bit to get into it. So why do you think you've been picked to come back? Well, I'm not too sure, um, just talking to the coaches, they said... Uh, I've been been pretty happy with how things have been going for me coming off the bench and yeah maybe just just trying something different. We haven't been getting the results as we would have hoped, so maybe just changing a little bit of personnel and and seeing how that goes. What has it been like not starting? What have you learned about yourself or what you need to do or change or anything like that? 
Probably just uh, focusing on the now, focusing, you know, taking things week by week and day by day instead of trying to get probably too far ahead of myself, which I think I was doing at the start of the competition. So, yeah, it's been a really good learning curve for me and this is only my second year of Super 15 rugby, so still pretty early in my career and, and I think it's going to be a good learning and one that I'll take with me for the rest of my career, I think. Coach said uh, he's looking for a bit more attack and that was one of the reasons yourself and Tyson Keats are back this week, a, a good running game, you know, so working on that? Yeah, definitely. I think at the start of the competition I probably went away from that a little bit. I wasn't the attacking threat that I, that I normally like to be and yeah, I've been working on that and, and conscious of that throughout the last couple of weeks and yeah, when I've been coming off the bench just, just trying to add a bit of impact but this week I get the chance to start from the first whistle and, and I'm pretty keen to do that. Uh, because the fans, everyone looks at the at the Hurricanes' back line, which has always been quite dynamic, your gear and, of course, the all-black midfield and that sort of thing. But it's it's obviously quite difficult, you know, the defences these days, just to, to light things up, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to to work your way and crack down a, a good defence system these days, and it seems like uh, most of the teams uh, are really working hard on the defence. So, yeah, I think in... In the last couple of years, throughout the, the whole rugby uh, rugby game, we've, we've seen a raise in, in the defence element of it. So, yeah, it is always hard, but I think it's a good challenge for the attack of, of teams. And like you said, we've got a bit of firepower in the back line and, and up front as well, so we're pretty keen to show our wares on Saturday night. Is it need uh, for gaps to appear? Of course, you need multiple phases of ball beforehand to try and sort the defence out in some way, you know, get the man lacking sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's pretty hard to break down a solid defence if, if you're not getting front foot ball. And, and, yeah, that's always been a bit of a challenge no matter what team you play for, and, and it's no different for us. I think we're, we're at our, our most lethal best when, when we are moving forward, and, and in recent weeks we've probably been guilty of, of lacking that a bit, but we've addressed that at training and we'll rip into it on Saturday. So how do you feel? I mean, it hasn't, you know, as results-wise, the, the Hurricanes haven't done as well. How's the, how's the feeling within the camp, though? Yeah, it's still really positive. I think, yeah, like you said, we're aware that, that the results haven't been going our way, but the, the attitude that the boys have shown at training, you know, in the gym, they're working they're working their butts off, really, and there's been a, th- a few personal bests thrown out in the gym and in the, in the fitness and the yo-yo tests and things. So I think the attitude's still there and, and the desire's still there. It's always tough being out on the training paddock and, and you always look forward to playing the games on, on the weekends. That's Aaron Cruden talking to Barry Guy, and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. Still with rugby and the dual international, Sonny Bill Williams is to return to the boxing ring in June in a pay-for-view bout to raise money for the Red Cross Christchurch Earthquake Appeal, to which the Crusaders and all-black midfielder has pledged $100,000. Williams says he didn't come from much and wants to do what he can to help people in the city where he experienced the earthquakes on the 4th of September and 22nd of February. No opponents been decided for the clash for Canterbury at Waitakere Trust Stadium in West Auckland on the 5th of June. Williams told me preparing for the fight won't affect his rugby training. I always do a bit of boxing training each week, just on the side, but obviously, you know, about four weeks out, I'll have to up the ante. Uh, Toddy Blackadder and the boys down at Canterbury know, you know, know what's going on and I'm fully supportive, so just have to change a few things up, but, you know, take nothing away from my, my rugby. Um, but just really, really excited. So how does that boxing training enhance your rugby skills in what particular areas other than the mental toughness? Just f- physically I, f- I feel you know, in better sh- the best shape that I've ever felt. Um, coming into this, to this season of Super 15 I, just, I felt so, so fit. Um, 
And I don't know. I guess there's there's a, there's a definite element of fear and and um and unknown, you know, the element of unknown there. But I feel that you know if I face those and and go through those head on, um, physically, um, mentally, it just makes me so much stronger when I'm in those places where I don't want to be, you know, on, on the rugby field. When you say element of fear and, and presumably in relation to injuries, are you what's, what's your main concern in there? Breaking a bone in your hand or broken jaw or um, head injury? I guess that, getting knocked out, um, embarrassing myself on the big stage, all of the above, really. But I feel that, um, you know, the last couple of years I've really pushed myself, tested my limits, tested the, my you know, sporting capabilities and I feel like I've come, off, come up trump, trump, trumps and I want to keep doing that. So, um, you know, just, just, trying to, just trying to test myself. How hard did you have to think about putting in your, your hand in your pocket for a, a six-figure donation to the, to the Red Cross Fund? Oh, not at all, man. Not at all. It was just, I, felt, I felt it was a moral obligation, really. Um, it was just, I guess, just where I come from, I didn't really come from much. But, you know, I've been blessed to be in the position that I am, that I can do these sort of things. You know, not in my wildest dreams when I was 15, going over to Australia as a young kid, would I be able to say that I'll be, be able to do something like this. So, you know, I'm pretty proud of myself, but at the same time, I know it's just an obligation, a moral obligation. That's Sunny Bill Williams, and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. The New Zealand Breakers' chances of making the Australian National Basketball League final series have diminished sharply after they lost at home in the first of the best-of-three semi-final series. The minor premiers have to win in Perth at the weekend to force a deciding match back at the North Shore Events Centre on Wednesday the 13th, and they'll be without the key defensive skills of forward Mika Vukona, who limped off after only three minutes with a serious knee injury. That's taken coach Andre Lamanis' win-loss record back into the red after he finished the regular season with 93 wins and 93 losses after six years at the Breakers. But he told me he's happy with the way the club's developing. Particularly where the club started from and coming in and having those first couple of years, it's been pleasing that we've, you know, as a, as a club, been able to build over that time. And um, fortunate the club's given me the opportunity to, to stay here long enough, I guess, to, to see the development steps that we put in place at the start start to come to fruition. And we're starting to obviously see the rewards of that now with, uh, you know, the young guys coming through and uh, continuing to develop, having nine Kiwis in a side of 12. You know, six of them come through our development systems. You've got the Abercrombies coming through, really contributing. You've got the um, Pledges coming through, really contributing. Corey Webster's, it's uh, you know, Josh and BJ as development players. Like BJ stepped up and done a great job when he's got his opportunities, and that puts the club in a good place. And so I think it's not only sort of we've seen the results now, I think what I'm most proud of is the fact that we've put the club in a good position to go forwards from here. Andre Lamanis was nominated for Coach of the Year after the Breakers won the minor premiership, but the award went to Townsville's Trevor Gleeson, with Kevin Braswell the only Breaker to win an award as best sixth man. The Breakers' decision not to stay in Melbourne after winning their last weekend prompted the Wildcats to miss the awards too. But the Breakers' chief executive, Richard Clark, told me they weren't being party poopers. We first advised the NBL that we thought there was an issue about two months ago when originally the dinner was scheduled and there was... The plan was to have it at the end of the regular season and to have a clear week between uh, that and the playoffs. And then when the, um, I guess, the TV schedules, things like that, there were some changes and the first playoff date came out as likely being the 7th. We suggested that if that was going to be one that we hosted, uh, then we'd have a lot of issues having to attend the awards dinner in Melbourne and then getting back to Auckland 
for a Thursday night game because effectively we would have been travelling all day Tuesday and not had adequate time to, to practice and prepare and didn't think that was the best way to prepare for what's effectively the most important game in our eight years. So uh, we advised that and talked about different ways that we could either get our guys involved with video or whether there was other other ways to do it. But unfortunately, not much was done about that. And um, so it sort of raised its head again over the last couple of weeks. But we've been pretty adamant that our priority is on, on winning particularly the semi-final and then ultimately the goals for the championship. And we didn't think having the guys uh, doing that amount of travel that close to the game was a good idea. That sounds uh, perfectly fair and reasonable to me. So, yeah, and, and the way the story came out of Percy sounded a little bit like party poopers. But I, I guess the other thing that a lot of people would probably scratch their heads about is why they don't have the awards after the after the final. And someone have, might, you know, someone done, might do something uh, dramatic. Yeah, well, they they have done that previously. The thought this year was, ironically, it was to uh, have all players able to attend and because generally if we have it after the grand finals that's a month after some teams have finished and particularly imports etc have headed away like last year's MVP Corey Williams didn't attend because he'd left some time before that to go back to his home but uh, I guess it's just thrown up the the other side of it that the four teams that are competing in the grand finals then have the additional pressure placed on them of having to attend the dinner and you know, if the game had been Friday night or Saturday, then we we probably would have been able to do it. But just Thursday night after a Monday night event, just the turnaround's not sensible. That's the Breakers' chief executive, Richard Clark, and this is Extra Time, a web-only program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. The New Zealand triathlete Debbie Tanner will step into the unknown when she lines up in the opening ITU World Championship Series in Sydney at the weekend. Tanner knows she needs a big season if she's to qualify for the Olympics in London, but first must overcome an off-season affected by serious rehabilitation of her troublesome Achilles tendons. I put tears in both of mine at the end of last year, so basically I had a bit of a break, started getting back into training, and it was a a few things combined, uh, looking back in hindsight, that I probably didn't do right and you know put myself into new pairs of shoes and had tight soleus um, in my legs and that put strain onto my Achilles and um, yeah it basically started off from there so usually going into a season you know where you're at and going into the first big race the world championship series race of the year you're knowing exactly what times you're hitting you're knowing your, your expectation levels so I guess with this unknown factor is that I've had five months since about November through to when it got right and um, that uncertainty factor of just not being able to do the workload that I've needed to do um, to be at the highest level and you know it was a real roller coaster of emotional and physical and getting it right and so it was a tough battle through our summer season and you know we're lucky enough that we race overseas internationally through New Zealand winter and the European summer so you know, it wasn't in the middle of the race season, so that's a blessing. And if it happened at this time of the year, then, you know, you're looking at Olympic qualifying in a couple of months and it would just would have been really bad timing. So in some ways, I was able to knuckle down on my swimming and my riding. And that's the beauty of our sport, I guess, and work on those aspects. Who did you consult, your coach, um, about that? And 
What what did he say to you? Because sometimes there's a tendency for people to think they can tough through these things and push through the pain barrier and, and unfortunate expressions like that. And yeah. I guess you're saying that you probably should have listened uh, to what your feet were telling you a bit sooner than you did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, hindsight's a brilliant thing. But yeah, we didn't realise it was as bad as it was. And so we did keep pushing. And there were times when I got out of bed in the morning and I couldn't walk down the stairs. And then you sort of put that back into the back of your mind as an athlete and because in the afternoon you're walking around fine and you think, oh, yep, I can go for a run and I'll, I'll keep pushing. Whereas you really just needed to have three weeks off and really let it heal. But I got some really good advice from George Duncan, a muscle therapist in Auckland, and um, along with my coach, Pete Fitzinger, and I worked with my physio team, Jordan Felici, up at Millennium Institute of Sport. And so when we all put our heads together, it was a bit too late, but it was nonetheless we started to get it right once we diagnosed the problem. <laughs> How's the running going now? It's good. Like I'm, I'm totally pain-free now, which is a huge relief because when you have them, you've got this apprehension. Even before you go out for a run, you just don't know how those couple of first steps are going to be. And so um, being able to just go out and run and not think about it when I'm going out the door is... I tell you, it's a godsend as an athlete, but it's absolutely fine now, and I'm back into a full training load, so really happy about that. Tell me about the Sydney course. Last year, it was the first time since the Sydney Olympics in 2000 that it had come back there, and last year, we actually had it out around the Opera House and in the Sydney Harbour. This year, they've got some construction going down and around the Sydney Opera House, so they've moved the transition up the road further, so we're still swimming right outside the opera house there in the harbour and then our transition will be set up further up the road. I wouldn't say it's a tough course but it's a tougher course than some of the other ones on the circuit so there's a bit of hill, a bit of undulating course on on the bike and on the run so it's not just dead flat and most of the courses are pretty technical with um, you know a few 90 degree turns and so forth so it would definitely be challenging and we've got a really strong field coming into the race with world champion and Olympic gold medalist lining up so it'll be a toughie That's triathlete Debbie Tanner and that's the show for this week Feedback's welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website Well, we'll be back with the next Web Only Extra Time show next week I'm Murray Williams, bye for now Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.